How is everybody doing? And welcome back for another Strength Chat episode. Today, I've got a very special guest for you all. Today, I'm joined by the founder of the Hard to Kill program. Today, I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend that is Mark Rhodes. How are you doing? Really well. Thank you, mate. And now a little bit under pressure, given how you've just introduced me. <laughs> you can just you can just have that recording as like a ringtone or anything like that. You can uh, you every can... time I walk in a room, I'm going to get people to have to play that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'll edit that up for you. It's all right. Um, <laughs> but uh, how are you? What have you been up to? What's What's been happening in your world recently? Mate, I'm really, really well. Thank you for asking. Um World at the moment is kind of business as usual for me, which is uh, training towards an intent, uh, obviously doing bits and uh, and moving things forwards, reference to the Hard to Kill program. Um, so everything feels pretty good, pretty intentional, pretty purposeful, not without challenge, but challenges that I'm enjoying solving, mate. So yeah, all good. Nice. And have you got any um, uh, any challenges, any events coming, uh, coming up um, from obviously what you've done previously? Yeah. <clears throat> um, Short answer, yes. So in, I believe it's just a little over two weeks now, I'm heading over to Nevada to compete in the Tactical Games, nice. um, which is a bit of a curveball. Got a client inside the program who was looking for someone to do it as part of a team event. And this was maybe six, eight months ago. I was like, yeah, fuck it, why not? And then, you know, time is marched on. So my training at the moment is leaned really quite extensively towards work capacity. So like strength and work capacity. For those who are listening, I don't know what your listenership's like in kind of the States. Many in the States will, will be familiar with it, but it's owned by Under Armour. It is essentially uh, CrossFit with guns. Okay, it's <laughs> archetypal American kind of thing. Uh, it's fucking awesome. Uh Sorry about the swearing, but yeah, it looks incredible given the uh, the social presence of it. But essentially, it's like CrossFit uh, wads, throwdowns, but you're in full tactical gear, and it's straight from sort of that that wad into a stress shoot, um, and you march for accuracy and time as well as like your actual points in the competition. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be cool. Ah, cool. Yeah, it sounds it sounds exciting. And is mm. that um, is that a, a one? I'm 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 not 100 uh, sure on that. But is that a one off event? Does that lead to other events, or how how does that work? They're all over the states now. So I, it was pretty new to me when uh, when Jeff, my client, brought it to my attention. I took one look at the Instagram, and I was like, "This is a slice of me. Like, let's, let's do it." <laughs> and I think, and I might well be doing them. Uh, and injustice here saying this, but I think them as maybe 15 fixtures throughout like their kind of competitive season yeah. uh, all over the United States. And it's got multiple different like offshoots, different standards of competition. I'm sure they've got like a sniper or a marksmanship competition. Uh, they've got tons going on, uh, training packages for it, like pipelines in terms of like training programs heading into it. It's a really well-designed thing, as you can imagine, from Under Armour. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it looks like a pretty cool thing. I think it'll probably be a one and done for me, obviously, because it's it's not next door. We're flying over to Arizona, doing a training package, then going to Nevada. <laughs> but really cool life experience. I didn't, I couldn't say no. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds really cool. And with that, um, you you might find that I'm a, I'm a big fan of tangents when uh, when I when we end up doing this as well. But um, have you found that from the clients that you're working with, or from you you entering this as well, that there's a lot more competitions coming up uh, like that because you know that that um, mindset around uh, training that there's a couple of more events coming up for that for you know people in the in the forces and and those sorts of things a little bit more of the tactical training. I mean, I think what's brought that to the forefront of everyone's mind is Hyrox. Like Hyrox is doing phenomenally well. So not necessarily in, in within our client population, although we do have some who who, who do Hyrox and do extraordinarily well. Um, but across the fitness industry as a collective, I'm seeing more people 
Well, it's hard to say because, you know, you and I are probably very similar in our consumption of social media. It's maybe a bit of an artificial sample. Maybe I'm living in a bit of a bubble where it definitely, definitely seems like from what I'm being presented with, there's there's a lot more people that are doing uh, fitness-related competition, which I'm all for. But I don't know in the wider world and outside of my little bubble of consumption, because I only follow like 100 people on Instagram, so I don't really see a great lot. Um, but it certainly feels like more people are doing it. And, and I'm pretty pro that. Um I think it's obviously off the back of the lockdowns as well. You know, people are actually allowed to do that sort of stuff and maybe have a, an inclination towards it because they they realize how much they missed it. And that, that social element of, of sport and competition when we weren't allowed to do it. So yeah, it definitely seems like there's a there's an increasing uh, intake or like participation of those sort of things from my perspective. Yeah, I'd agree with that with the high rock side of things because um, one of my good friends is a, a head coach of a gym in Liverpool mm. um, and he did one and then a lot of his members have, have started doing it now as well. And um, yeah, I think a lot more people are getting uh, bought, bought into that. But it's like what mm. you say, sometimes you see something and then all of a sudden you see a lot more a lot more of it and all of a sudden e- everyone's doing it. So yeah, mm. I'd, I'd agree with that. Um Obviously, I did quite a brief introduction. I know we've chatted a little bit about there about you know what you've got coming up and those sorts of things. But for everyone listening who might not know your background in terms of training, how you got involved in uh, in coaching, obviously the Hard to Kill program. Um, mm-hmm. Just want to give a little bit of a background to yourself. Hundred percent. So, from a really sort of high contour position, I got into the fitness industry proper in what 2000 and. 2013 it would have been so prior to that i was engaged in a relatively good standard of rugby and then went away through army officer selection board and then eventually enlisted in the parachute regiment was medically discharged from that and i was like well you know the the, the one conjoining factor has always been sort of health and, and fitness so back then the level three qual was like a six-week course did that realized i absolutely knew nothing so then i went straight back into education and did the uh the national academy of sports medicine the nasm certifications that opened a door for me ended up working um at the high performance center at notch university in like an snc role as an intern turned out through association actually knew one of the guys who ran a program for multidisciplinarians and Olympians and decathletes at Loughborough. So did a little bit of consultancy there. Um, then, you know, kind of decided from totally honest, I wasn't really getting the the juice from the squeeze in the strength world. So set up, set up um, kind of independently just as, as a coach, um, then moved from Lincoln. I don't know if anybody here knows Lincoln, but it's, it's really quite a small town. So if you're very driven and ambitious, this was before online coaching was even really a thing. Yeah. Uh, I had to move to an area where essentially there's a greater population density. So that brought me to Manchester, maybe five or six years ago now, um, worked at a couple of gyms there. And then essentially just thought, you know what, like I'm, I'm capable of having a much greater impact and I want the freedoms associated with it. Cause by this point you're six years into you know, working fucking 70 hours a week. And you're like, right, there's got to be more freedom to it than this. To so set up online, a couple of iterations of online programs, and then, um, you know, launched the Hard to Kill program nearly three years ago now. And that brings us up to the present day. Nice. And what did the, how did the Hard to Kill program come about? Because I know, obviously, you know, following your content, you know, looking at the website and those sorts of things, what kind of made you um, uh, focus, f- focus on that and, you know, mm. um, yeah, what, what kind of made you focus on that? I'll be really transparent. Uh, it was a borderline breakdown, mate. Um, so I, I took the route that I think probably most coaches who are ready to be honest with themselves took, whereby you're working with general population. And then it's actually relative, in fact, it's really easy to scale that um, to a degree of quote unquote success. 
And on paper, the business was incredible. Client numbers were healthy, um, really strong. In fact, like the financials were really good commercially. The, the business was incredible. But personally, I was perhaps the most unhappy I've ever been. Right. At that point in time, I was I was, I was training and preparing for uh, like a Herculean triathlon. We were, like It was going to be immense, the, the volume that we were doing. And I was legitimately sleeping about three hours a night. Wow. You know, heart palpitations, eye twitches, just genuinely the most stressed that I've ever been in my entire life because I was truly deeply unhappy with how I was turning up in the world, what I was being forced to speak about, the level of problems I was solving on a daily basis. I had absolutely no inclination to want to do it. And then I was actually on a training camp in the Lake District with a good friend of mine and a fellow fitness professional, Joe, Joe Parrish, who runs a high-performance coach, incredible guy, still a very good friend to this day. Um, and I had kind of a, a, a breakdown, but a, a breakdown that was immediately followed by a breakthrough. So I was working with a mentor at the time who now is actually a great person, a friend of mine, an incredible person. And... Uh, I essentially came to this conclude as like, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life like this. This is, this is not how I fucking live. Yeah. Uh, rang him up. He was like, mate, well, make sure you're safe from a numbers perspective. Then I want you to go through everyone that you don't care about. And that's, you know, kind of take that tongue in, in cheek as in like whose, whose problems you don't love to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, who you feel is adding to this pressure and you're going to basically politely say, I'm going a new direction. Thank you for everything, but we're going to leave it there. So I did that. And with, you know, within sort of an hour uh i think i'd let about 60 percent of my clients go obviously wow. refunded anyone who was who was uh in in credit with me and that was unbelievable because i'd not slept properly for a couple of weeks and i came back into that room and there was maybe six of us in that room and they all you can ask any of them dependently offline or online either or they'll verify like a different man with more energy than they've known for months walked into the room because i finally kind of had the space the freedom the permission to now lean into what I really truly wanted to do. And that was the hard to kill program. But in on the back burner for a while, but you know, I had all those limiting beliefs if I can't do this and why should it be me and imposter syndrome of there's people out there who are better qualified to, you know, been to fucking 10 different war zones and done all this cool crap. And I was like, well, none of them are doing this. So fuck it. Like I'm here to help people and I want to, I want to live my life in this way. So that was the beginning of the hard to kill program. That's where the hard to kill program actually got its name because, you know, I've gotten to where I've gotten through, through multiple iterations and quite painful and challenging rejections and failures. So that's where the hard to kill comes from. And then on that day, I, I basically made a promise to myself that I'll never trade my happiness um, for money ever again. And counterintuitively that's probably the best commercial strategy you could ever have because you know exactly who you like who you are what you're about and what will generate your happiness and who you want to work with and i, I believe that's magnetic but it has to it's authentic so the, the breakthrough always comes after the breakdown but it was a pretty it was a pretty severe breakdown in the moment but that's yeah that was circa three years ago now and that leads us to where we are today mate yeah oh nice that's a that's a that's a, an awesome story i think we've I think with that, you know, I quite like that, you know, breakdown to then have a breakthrough. I think, you know, uh, one thing that always uh, for myself, uh, coming from a, a rugby background as well, one of the uh, first things my very first uh, coach told me, you're always going to learn more than a loss than you are uh, a win, because then you can go back, right, what what did we do so well? And I think that's that kind of lesson has stuck with me, you know, when things don't go wrong or uh, when things go wrong, sorry, you know, you've got to learn from that and think, right, what is it? What was it going to go from there? From a, there's kind of a couple of things uh, just to touch on from that. Um, for the uh, for the coaches, for the for the PTs listening, how did once you'd had that breakthrough, how did that then impact um, your? I don't know if a motivation or drive is the is the right word I'm looking for, but how did that impact sort of you know the investment then then you put into the program, but then also how did that then impact your own training, the quality of service, how you were able to you know, um, 
produce the the high standard of of service that you know you you provide now. Mm-hmm. Awesome question. So look, I'm I'm a pretty straight shooter, and I'm a pretty open book, so I'll just fucking say how it is. Yeah, I perceive the health and fitness industry and personal training industry and coaching industry to probably have the highest incidence of mental health issues in the people working within it. Okay. Um, ordinarily there is a driving factor as to why we get into this space in the first place. Okay. And it's not always light energy, put it that way. We aspire to be heard and seen like a, a great deal of people do, but then we're also like conjoining that with our capacity to acquire resources. And so now people are feeling threatened. They're not feeling seen. And, you know, people get really unhappy and very stressed and very pressurized. I was one of those people. And like, I know so many coaches who live month to month, just fucking terrified. And it's because of that, that they will essentially work with anybody and everybody. And they're not able to be their true authentic selves because of that. They have to dilute who it is that they are elements of their personality and what it is they, they're happy to talk about because if they were to truly be themselves inside their community group or to their clients that would immediately create a disconnect their clients would be like i'm not sure if you're the coach for me etc so on and so forth so they're kind of trading their own authenticity for commercial gain and that's not um anything like a smear that's me being totally honest and me being making objective um analysis based on me having been there and knowing exactly how it feels yeah. so inside the client group that you've got however that's organized if you can't be your authentic self then it's exhausting because you constantly have to have the mask on you're constantly pretending to be um, a homogenized version of yourself so that clients aren't displeased with you and you've probably got three four maybe even ten different factions of types of clients within a program that are all going to the, the bracket of general population so you can't be yourself. You're tired. You're not fully invested in it. You're just not playing to your greatest potential because, you know, obviously if there's any, anything on the, on the, on the continuum of fear in your mind, you will not be expansive and creative and happy. So if you've got low level anxiety or uh, fear or scarcity mindedness, you're not going to be performing to your greatest potential. So when you've kind of faced that absolute breakdown, when you realize well, that's not the life that I want for myself anymore. And as a result, you get this really high energy you have a degree of happiness and fulfillment. And it's what I refer to in scientific terms as being unfuckwithable because you're no longer there for the, for the pound. Like you're there because you want to be truly happy and you want to solve problems with people you truly care about. So that allows you to be your total authentic self, which means your energy isn't, you know, you're not untirable, but essentially you have exponential more energy on a daily basis on every level, like, like from even from like a, a metabolic level in terms of your ability to, to work through like three days and just from a spiritual level. And I know I'm getting a little bit tangential here, but I truly believe if you've got a spiritual goal that's important enough to you and large enough to for you, then you will overcome any tactical level challenge of like clients leaving, tax bills, all that sort of stuff. All of this is noise. It doesn't really matter. You're like, well, okay, that is what it is, but I want that really bad. So I'm going to try to figure that out. And I'm, I'm happy in the pursuit of it because these are my people. This is something I really want to achieve. It's something I'm passionate about. And it's essentially is me. It is it is a, a commercial expression of me and, and how I like to solve problems and my ability to innovate and, and help people. So in terms of how I turn up, all the way from like the highest level of, of, of strategic planning, right down to tactical implementation of how I solve problems in a conversation I have with clients. It's it's literally just night and day, like absolutely 
lighting day. And as a result, your ability to deal with challenge and undulation and turmoil and bounce back and demonstrate resilience is just, again, night and day because you truly care about the product, about the people, about your life and the vision that you have um, versus someone who's just terrified, maybe has no one there to make them feel heard and seen, maybe doesn't truly deeply understand that they are good enough to be there yet. And has also then got uh, issues with, resource acquisition like fucking hell like can i pay my gin rent this month or you know kind of kind of kind of kind of go on that holiday i want to go on next week and all that sort of stuff so that's how that's turned up in terms of how i train people well you know they're they're, they're much more closely aligned with the kinds of things that i like to do so you know we believe that form follows function i can't remember the last time i did a body transformation despite having worked in the um the world's best transformation gym. There's a chain of them all over the world. Some people might pick up what I'm talking about there, but I won't mention it on air because they tried to sue me once. Um, <laughs> yeah, they tried to sue everyone, mate. Um, so yeah, like I haven't done that in ages. We just believe that form follows function. So we're looking at, are we training in a way that creates energy or burns it? Are we nourishing our, ourselves in a way that again, facilitates performance, recovery, cognition, or a way that, you know, strips that away from us. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how I, I turn up now in comparison to how I used to turn up. Yeah, I think with that, just just one thing when you were talking about sort of the 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 mindset side of things and um trying to strip back the things that um you know the the fear and those sorts of things. I actually read a book. I think it, I think it's called Liquid Thinking. Mm. I'll have to double check what it is. Um, and it, it's kind of that thing of um just changing your um your thought process a little bit because I think sometimes as well and probably more speaking from a, a coach to a client point of, point of view, people can put their efforts into things that ultimately aren't getting them where they want to be. So they're putting the effort in. There's no, there's no denying their effort, but it's actually just put into, put into the wrong place mm-hmm. from that with the, um, by obviously, you know, when you mentioned the, the breakdown to, to, to break through, what was the, um, uh, was there any challenges sort of after that? Because obviously, you know, for people listening, they'll be they'll be thinking about, okay, so this is what this is what I need to do. But were there any challenges on the uh, 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 on the back of that, or because, like what you mentioned about, you know, you had the energy to be able to do this, you had that sort of clearer thought process, you 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 stripped everything to the to, to the side. Was there any obstacles that came in afterwards, or you know, did you have that energy to be able to solve those problems because you had that clearer focus? If if that kind of makes sense. Many, 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 many challenges, mate. Yeah. <laughs> um, the time I launched the Hard to Kill program, certainly in the United Kingdom, there was nothing like what I was doing. It has not been done before because I essentially dared to say, well, why can't I run an online coaching business and not put transformation photos up? Why can't I run an online coaching business that talks more about the psychology of performance than just eat your macros and lift the weights? Because that's moronic. Like that doesn't really help anyone. It's just tactical information, but most people have an implementation issue, which is in the top two inches. So the first six months of marketing the hard to kill program was spent almost entirely explaining to people what it is and what we do, right? Because there was no point of reference. Now, most business mentors will tell you, oh, you need an elevator pitch. You should be able to summarize what your business is and does in like one sentence as if you were basically going up in the elevator, someone of, oh, I do this. But counterintuitively, I actually believe it can often be beneficial if you can't summarize it in one sentence, because it shows that you're not just following a trend. You're not in a typecast. You are innovating and you are finding new angles and new perspectives. Now, when lockdown hit, when was that like end of 2019 into 2020? Yeah. Um, That was a double-edged sword because 
myself and everyone who was working as a fitness pressure at that time was probably put under more pressure than we've ever been like in comprehensible memory. There's a siren has gone past. Hopefully you didn't hear that. Uh, incomprehensible memory. However, it was almost always, it was also an enormous opportunity for those who were willing to put their head above the parapet and say, I'll lead. Like I, I've got some fucking stuff that can help people. And that was actually um, kind of serendipitous because everything that we spoke about, yeah, we deliver S&C nutrition and stuff, but that's just a kind of tactical implementation implementation of what we talk about in our top two inches. So we were able to, well, I was able to stand up and yeah, it was long days and I ended up burning out. But, you know, I was working seven days a week, about 14, 15 hours a day, just putting the message out there of like, this is what we do. This is how resilience works. This is how you persevere. These are the five ingredients of grit. This is what you need to do. Blah, 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 blah. Getting some great guests on, going on Instagram live every day, all that sort of stuff. And the message was just extraordinarily, extraordinarily well received. But then again, we have more problems with problems of scale. So all these people are now interested in working with us. So then like at the moment, at that moment in time, it was just me, just one man band. So I was doing all of, you know, the attraction, the conversion, the delivery and all of the facets within that. So then you get new challenges of, okay, well, what elements can I start to hand off? Like, how can I get a VA to help me with that admin? I need a graphic designer to, to deliver like some of the tools and resources in the program. So you're basically doing like five people's job at once, plus your own, plus building the processes of how other people can do parts of your job. You know, so I did end up with burnout then, like, and not just the way burnout's banded around these days, like legit couldn't get off the sofa for three weeks. Like absolutely, truly shattered, totally exhausted. Cause I'd kind of been burning the candle at both ends as it was promising myself that we were about to go on holiday to, to Australia for a month and then lockdown hit. So it was like, mate, I know you're on empty, but suck it up sunshine. Like you got to go. So we, I, I grafted again. Um, and then, you know, came out from burnout. That was all good. And then again, it was just a constant iteration. So like, right, we solved one problem and then what's the next, what's the next, what's the next. So if, if anyone who's listened to this is a PT and a coach and we're under this illusion that you complete it, that you get to a level of like income or commercial success or impact or client number and you complete it and it's over, please get yourself that out of your head, right? It's much harder if you have the expectation that eventually one day it gets easy. It doesn't at all. The levels of problems change. So maybe you haven't got problems of survival anymore. You've got like higher level challenges of like, right, I don't know, like we're looking to move more into the States right now. So that's quite an enormous project. And there's a lot of things that are going into that, et cetera, so on and so forth. But it never gets necessarily easier that the problems get get different. And as long as you uh, frame that in your head and you found a way to enjoy the levels of problems that you're solving, then you're going to be sweet. Like you're going to be absolutely fine. But if you're already finding yourself being like, I fucking hate these people that I'm working with. I hate what I do on a daily basis. Then you're going to run into problems. Okay. If you're just doing it for money, I've done that and it doesn't end well. Um, so yeah. Does that answer your question? I know it went off on a bit of a Yeah, fucking... no, I thought <laughs> I think the I think the last bit that you that you said there with the um having that of the what's the what's the best what's the best way to say it? When when we're talking about solving problems, mm. the I can't remember the phrase how it was, but it was kind of never say that you've met. I know the phrase is, you know, if you're the, if you think you're the smartest one in the room, go into a next room. Mm. But I heard a different phrase of, you know, never say that it's mastered. Never say that you've got, I've got this sussed. I've got it nailed. Because then all of a sudden, you know, something's going to, that's when standards will end up dropping off because mm. then you'll get, you, you'll get complacent. Whereas, you're, obviously, you're obviously familiar with the All Blacks, right? And there's yeah. a, yeah, Gilbert and Oku was their like mental performance coach for all of their like winning years. Um, and he's famous for saying you aim for the gap. Mm -hmm. So by the time you've hit top of curve, there's already people who have that you in their sight and are looking to reel you in. 
Okay, so you actually is your responsibility then to dictate the next level of excellence and begin pursuing the gap between that pinnacle and the next one. Yeah. Um, so that's not to say we play like zero sum games. We're not competing against anybody. Like ultimately, it's, it's about you. But the, the moment that you kind of resign and get complacent, you can expect that challenges will come and visit you. So if you get to an amount of clients, whatever that amount feels like success to, to anyone listening to this, whether it's 20, 50, 100, 200, whatever, and you think, oh, okay, I can back off now. Um, that's incorrect, right? Th- there is for every light, there is a dark. And whilst you might have achieved a light of, okay, so I've got this amount of clients, that was my goal. Incredible. Celebrate that, acknowledge it, be proud of what you've achieved and attained, but know there is going to be something in the periphery that you're not looking at because you're infatuated with the, with that metric. So there's going to be something there. And it's obviously, if you've just been aiming for a client number, okay, well, client churn is going to come up. When churn comes up, if you've attached your identity to, to that number, to that figure, that achievement, then all of a sudden it's going to strip your identity away. It's going to be a huge challenge on an emotional level. So then you've got to be doing the inner work to make sure you're more resilient than that and you're not attaching yourself worth to business metrics. So you know, there's always a challenge. And most people don't have business problems. They have personal problems. And the challenge in the fitness industry is most people's business is, is a representation of their personality. So it can feel very, very, very much like a personal attack where people say no to you, if clients are churning, if you're getting these big tax bills, if people don't like your Instagram posts. So the, the the greatest proportion of your work on a day, on a weekly basis ought to be spent on the top two inches on looking at like, am I in a good space? And am I leading myself appropriately? And then as a result, your business will be a reflection of that. Yeah, there was a, a there was a couple of things from what you've said there, and a couple of questions were, were going through my head, but you've kind of ju- you've you've kind of just summed it up there. I think, um, yeah, I think that I think that was a really good point. Just one thing, um, to touch on when you mentioned about um getting the message across about the hard to kill program, mm-hmm. um, when it comes to uh, people can type in coaching personal training and anything that'll come up on instagram social media whatever it is and if you type in weight loss there's going to be bigger companies out there um like slimming world for example like people will be able to lose weight on there type in weight loss yes they're going to lose weight do they keep that weight off that's open to open to opinion but you know they're they're going to be able to lose weight when we're talking about progressing that a little bit uh, further about um touching on pain points in terms of yes, I want to lose weight, but actually I want to be better at this. I want to increase my mindset. I want to be a little bit more resilient. I want to be a different person than what I am right now. Mm. How, or, or I want to become the person that I think I should have been at this point in time or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. How do you go about um, taking that next level and just going in that little bit deeper to be like, look, this is what this is how we're going to get from point A to point B, rather than like what you mentioned, just being a a transformation on a, a, a on a, on, a, on a Instagram Instagram reel. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. So again, this is from a very 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 high contour perspective, and I'll, I'll attempt to keep us out of the weeds. But any coaching boat process needs to have exactly that it needs to be a process so any organization company coach trainer needs to understand the promise so what promise are you making to a client like you should ought to be able to should's a dangerous word but you ought to be able to really clearly identify a list of problems that your the guys you work with experience and then the promise of exactly what it is they aspire to achieve and in your process is a prescription that takes them from these problems you prescribe this you add accountability support and any other core drivers in your business and it takes them to that outcome the hard skill program is enormously niched in terms of who we work with and the problems that we solve. And as you spoke to, most of it is psychological, but we actually have kind of three core drivers, um, physical robustness, 
mental sharpness and then high performance leadership. And at the center of that kind of triangle is, is ultimately becoming hard to kill. So I see it as an in, in, inseparable intertwined matrix. Okay. Because if someone comes to you with an issue, let's say they, they'd been on Weight Watchers, really loose example, and they couldn't keep the weight off. All right. Is it because they don't understand nutrition? They don't know right from wrong? Never. Is it a, a psychological issue? Always. Almost always. Okay. I, I like to avoid generalizations, but I would say 99% of the time it's that. So this is again a very loose example. Please, if you've been at Weight Watchers, don't apply the program. It might not be for you, but this is a loose example. So we, we first got to look at if we're not getting the, the issue solved that we want in like a nutrition perspective, so that would come under our umbrella of physical robustness. Then we then got to look into that, the mental aspect. So self-awareness, emotional regulation, and ultimately resilience. So from an awareness perspective, well, let's just zoom out. Okay. If they grew up in a household when from the age of three years old, they were either whenever they're upset or they did really well and they were rewarded and eligible with food. Well, is it any wonder that when they're upset as, a, as an adult these days, or when they're celebrating something these days, all they turn to is food. And then they've got this really deep, like seated psychological relationship with that. Now, we're not clinicians in terms of not diagnosing pathological dysfunction, but we're looking at it from, again, a black and white perspective and saying, well, whenever you're unhappy and stressed, your coping mechanism is this. So here's the awareness piece. That's the, why you have this tendency. Then obviously we deliver the tools, training, resources, accountability, and support to regulate those. Um, and then training and nutrition is basically the tactical level implementation of that. And then we just run the experiment. So we perceive, right, we need these tools, resources and, and, and accountability metrics in an effort to, to improve that. Let's fuck it, fuck around and find out, run the experiment, look at the data. What's it telling us? Okay, that's worked. So we're on the right trajectory now. And then we just can add more pressure to that. We can look at right what velocity is appropriate. So that's just like a nutritional intervention as an example. Many people have different, um, what we call high-risk behaviors or unhelpful coping mechanisms when they're stressed or under pressure, or when there's volatilities, uncertainties, complexities, and ambiguities, which is very common in you know, our C-suite exec guys and the high-performing directors. And they tend to just take the easy wrong over the hard right. So and we're asking exploratory, exploratory questions of, okay, so why do you perceive that is? Let's look at an awareness piece. And then it's our job simply not to become clinicians and, uh, and therapists, but like really clearly identify, right, this is where that high-risk behavior is coming from. We're going to make you aware of that. Then going to install like these regulatory habits into your life offer you a degree of support and accountability you won't find anywhere else. Then obviously take care of all the S&T nutrition, all of, all of that kind of training and, and an effort to make you a better leader to yourself. And then we can compound on that. And then it, it kind of, it scales and grows from there. So I'm not sure how thoroughly I've answered your question there, but I'm trying not to get too deeply into the weeds, yeah. but that's how we would look to, to solve problems of that, of that nature. Yeah. And with that, because obviously you mentioned there about, you know, uh, CEOs, high performers. Yeah. What's kind of the... Um, Anytime that anything's going to change, um, people can be a little bit resistant to it and be like, well, mm -hmm. this is this is how I've done it in the past. How do we do it from there? How mm -hmm. do you um, get the get the buy in or, you know, provide those solutions and actually allow them to take action? Because I think sometimes it can be a case of, you know, if they've got to that point, yes, they want to do it, but then actually implementing it can be can be a challenge. How do you kind of work with, you know, the the high performers to be able to make that change? Because I can imagine that they're um, used to things happening relatively quickly. They're making decisions. They're they're doing that. Whereas then, you know, for their own personal selves, it's a case of right. Okay, how do I then implement this myself? Hmm. I understand um, the perspective there, but that's not the experience that I have with the guys that I work with. Um, I also back myself to communicate with extreme confidence. 
and with certainty and clarity to that person that 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 doesn't fly so in an effort to get into the program it's a three-step process two of those are interviews with me um and it's not egoic in any way i'm just looking to see like how growth minded is this person how willing are they to change and if i perceive as a low readiness to change again as we spoke about earlier i will not trade my happiness and fulfillment for money irrespective of the amount and nor will i have uh, my client population who is a group of incredible people that I, I care deeply for and i'm enormously proud of i will not have that polluted with someone who is going to just basically start fires for want of a better phrase but i haven't had to to, to deal with that again my experience has been very much the people of that candor are typically quite growth-minded and um they've already had the quote-unquote breakdown before speaking to me and they're like look you know i've been trying this i've been trying that i've been doing these things that i was, that I was trying in my 20s and none of it's sticking can't seem to consistently apply it I feel like i'm just fucking spinning my wheel trying to do all these different things i've got so many responsibilities and priorities i just need some fucking help i need to know how to figure it out and that's when they typically come to us and at that point they're treated with absolute respect um total gratitude and we, we focus more on building trust because no performance will come without a relationship of trust they're building total trust and then beginning to implement some of these strategies that give them a relatively quick roi because you know everyone needs buy-in that's an integral uh, moment in, in a coaching process get them an immediate buy-in um and then we're ultimately focusing more on on how people feel rather than how they look and i was going to say it's in response to one of your earlier questions but most coaches focus on on how they feel as, uh, i'm sorry how they look as people and also how their clients look now when we look to nature there are no structures on earth that focus on growing up before they grow down okay so with our clients we want to ensure that they have a truly deep-rooted understanding of how they want to feel before they worry about showing off to other people and that's one of the greatest lessons i give to people is look if you if you all you want to do is feel this guy's greater so that everyone's going to look at you and say oh look how impressive that is but there's no foundations and it blows over at the first fucking puff of wind that's the same as creating, you know, an incredibly impressive body, but having no psychological robustness, no ability to deal with change or adversity or stress or pressure. And the second something doesn't go your way, you hit the fuck it button. You're like Ben Stiller at the end of dodgeball and just fucking <laughs> cramming it in your face, right? The, the structure comes tumbling down. So why don't we spend a little bit of time looking at the fundamental foundations of this and how is it you want to feel? Because that's exponentially more powerful. So when we look to reverse engineer what their success would look like, well, how will your success feel? Um, and, and most, again, most directors and people of that level that we work with um, are very receptive to that line of thinking. Uh, and they're like, okay, I want to feel like this and this and this and this. And yeah, as a result, the things that I want to do, people, things that people will see are just a byproduct. They're a representation of how I feel internally because I'm turning up for myself and taking hard right of easy wrongs. That builds confidence. And again, it's an inter in, 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 inseparable intertwined matrix for us. We can't have one without the other. Um, so yeah, we've not, I've not, that's not been my personal experience. And if it were to be, you know, we've got some incredible high performers inside the program from tier one special forces operators to um, people in C-suite at, at Google uh, to, to a CEO of a very well-known uh, UK fitness brand that makes bags, I'll just say it that way. Um, and they're real heavy hitters. So if someone wants to come to me and, and, and would perceive that they're more important or they're better or they're whatever than that, I say, well, you know, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. I'm just going to say that we've tried it with these guys. And it's been really successful with them. So why don't we just try that and, and see how this goes? And if I'm wrong, fucking oh, I'm wrong. I'm happy to be wrong. But yeah. I, I'm really got I'm really quite confident this is going to work. 
Yeah, definitely. And with that, and why I wanted to ask that question, I want to kind of flip it onto the other side from um, the the coach's point of view. Do you think, because obviously you said there, you know, you've got that confidence, you've got a, a proven record from there in terms of clarity, in, in terms of communication um, and confident in the, um, the, uh, the the service that you're providing. Is that where coaches are, 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 going, are going wrong, that they're um, not being clear in terms of their communication, being able to um, have that confidence, and then all of a sudden, that's when their their um, clients are running into obstacles because they're not having that clear thing of here's the here's the problems. This is how you want to feel, and this mm. is how I can get you there. Yeah, I mean, um, pre frame is worth an ounce of pre frame is worth a kilo of reframe, right? So, referring to an earlier point I made that again, I've been here, so I know exactly how it feels. When you're in the point of your coaching career whereby you're maybe working with people who you aren't truly aligned with because you kind of need to to keep the lights on, you may feel like you lack the conviction to look them straight in the eye and say, well, this is what I'm going to do and this is how it's going to go and this is how we're going to operate. Fucking all good. Yeah, okay, cool. It might be a case of, you know, if you want to work with me, it'd be great. And then you kind of haul yourself out from being truthfully honest and say, oh, it's kind of this, like, oh, but I'll do a discount, et cetera, and so forth. Um, the quicker you can get out of that, the better. And that's a process, and this has become somewhat of a platitude that is once made great by Alex Ormos, I believe, of like giving yourself evidence of how good you are. Um, once you can begin to add confidence to your life, then your 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 people will actually respect you more. You're going to have a limiting belief, or many coaches have a limiting belief if they talk out loud about like money and how much their program costs. If they, you know, basically command responsiveness from someone that that's they're gonna, gonna ostracize the client they're not gonna want to be there but the total opposite is true because the client is coming to you looking for leadership okay that's what they want they want to, to put their trust in you and you want to be able to trust them in return so if if you'd come to me and you're looking to join my program and i was a little bit avoidant i was looking down i didn't have great eye contact i didn't really want to talk about the price like through reciprocity, like you, a deep-seated part of your brain is going to be like, this guy is not trustworthy. We call it gut feeling or intuition, but that's, you know, it's, a, it's an amalgam of actual different, very real psychological and physiological kind of um, triggers. And you wouldn't necessarily trust me. Whereas whether this program's for you or not for you doesn't matter. Like I'm going to clearly communicate the value of what my program does, what I would promise to deliver to the right person. This is how much it costs and this is how we work. Um, and then the right people are like, this sounds like everyone I've been looking for. The wrong person well, in order to, to kind of sell, if you want to call it that, you've got to have to first polarize. Um, so again, it, touching on kind of all the points you spoke about earlier, knowing like how much you care, that you're on the right trajectory, that if you have a spiritual goal that's big enough, that you'll overcome any tactical ob like, uh, objection of people not wanting to buy a program, so on and so forth. And it can be hard. It can be really fucking hard. There's been days and, and, and like years gone past when I've had like five applicants in a day and not one of them has been the right one. You know, fucking yeah. I'm doing the right thing. You question your own self-worth. My program's a piece of shit. Maybe I'm charging too much. I should lower my price. We've all been there, right? Suck it up. <laughs> Suck it up. Yeah. You listen to this and you're there right now. Fucking hell. Like go look, go through your client messages and find 20 of your client messages, them screaming how good you are, how much the program's changed their life. Right? And if you haven't got that, that's the first problem you need to look at. But you probably have, you're just discounting it because you've got a cognitive distortive belief that you're not good enough. But go back through and find fucking evidence of where you change people's lives. And next time you're speaking to a client who's applying to you, but like, no, like this is what I do and it will change your fucking life. It's yeah. X amount of pounds. Doesn't make that much of a difference to me. I fucking guarantee it will change yours. What are we going to do about it? And they either, they either want it or they don't. Yeah. One thing that you said on there 
uh, like what Ian said about um, you know turning into a, a, a sales call. I, I was nodding as you were talking because I always remember when I very first started coaching. I actually um, he was a um, uh, an ex semi professional rugby player and he mm. was quite high up working for banks. And mm. um, how he described his job was, if things weren't going well, he would basically go in and, and sort it out. And I was thinking, oh God, how am I gonna? I want to gonna train this guy. And he mm. said, right, this is this is what I want. It was pretty clear, had a clear vision of it. And I was like, right, I'm going to have to, I was like honest with him, said, and one of the best things he said to me when he got to the point where he went to be, he went, yeah, I doubted you at first, but you're all right, you aren't you? And from there, I was like, do you know, actually sound, that was, that, that was pretty good. And I ended up training, I think I trained him for about four years before he, before he moved away. Yeah. And I think for things like that, having that honesty and just being like, look, you know, setting your stall out and then, you know, mm-hmm. um, speaking to them, how they, how, how they want to be speak, I think he's a, he's a, is a really powerful tool because then exactly like what you said, you can look back now and I can, I can say, yeah, I did a good job of that. You know, I've got the, I've, I've got the messages, messages from that. Yeah. With the um progression uh, from, from that, when we're talking about, when you mentioned there about um, trying to sell, is that, is that where you think um number one clients are looking at? Cause they're, feeling as though they're always going to get sold to rather than actually looking as look, I can generally help you the solutions here. I've, I've got the, um, I've got the records to prove it. And then do you think that's where um, coaches and maybe coaches and personal trainers are um, making it too hard to filter through because they're just trying to sell anything and, and, and everything mm-hmm. rather than actually trying to provide solutions. Yeah. And um the first thing I do is actually re- like just return to your story about training that rugby player, by the way, like that's a, a fantastic example of, of, of doing it the right way of just being like, maybe you were shit in your boots, but we call it uh, the, the swan effect, like cool, calm, collected on the surface, but flapping like fucking <laughs> just, like, have a word yourself, yeah. just breathe and be like, oh, okay. Because again, understand people are coming to you for accountability and if they've come to you for accountability and the first thing you do is roll over, they're like, well, why would I pay you? Of course I'm not going to fucking pay you that money. Yeah. Like you, you haven't done you haven't demonstrated you'll do what you what you said you would do. But the first thing you have to do is step up and say, no, I will hold you accountable. I'm not going to be hurtful. I'm going to be very honest to you. And if people give you excuses, you say, well, how's that working out for you, mate? Yeah. Do you know yeah. what? That that actually happened, and I'll never, ever forget this. He was he was quite a big guy. And I always remember he had a Burger King and he had a KFC. And I was like, uh, he said, oh, I feel rubbish. And I was like, well, no wonder you feel rubbish. You've had that. And it, yeah. like I said it so quickly afterwards. He just looked at me, and I was thinking, oh, what, what's he going to say? But actually, he was like, yeah, do you know what? You're right. That, 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 yeah. that, that's why I feel rubbish. And it's just that thing of of saying it. And I'll never forget that. We're in, it was in our checking, it was in the it was in the uh, the meeting room. And I'll, I'll yeah, I'll never forget that. hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. That's, that's sometimes what they need. Uh, knowing your clients is obviously important. The level that we work with means they're normally quite respect uh, responsive to kind of uh, authoritative feedback. Not that we tell people what to do or boss them about, but we can be relatively, we can send straight arrows and it's well received. However, that's not the case of everybody. So you kind of got to know know your people and, and know the room. But in response to your question, I think this comes as a, if I'm honest, as a result of a lot of like kind of mentors in the market now who are wanting to create their own success metrics, which is, you know, they take people from X to X income. So like was earning 10K per month, whatever, in, in, in 90 days, all that sort of stuff. So then coaches are seeing that as the metric of success and say, oh, I've got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. And whenever you go into these mentor environments, it's the same as if you were going to go try and get a quick win with a client, right? 
if a client came to you and not neither you or I would do this, hopefully, but if a client came to you and was like, right, okay, I want to lose 10 kilos of fat in fucking six weeks, you're like, yep, yeah, we'll fucking do that and just starve your ass off and cardio him to death. And on paper, you've 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 achieved success, even though you've done something that's a little bit well, very unsustainable, borderline dangerous, a little bit immoral. Um, and ultimately it's gonna set that person up for for further like hardships and difficulties and challenge relationships with the body image and training, all that sort of stuff. Well, business mentors are also an unregulated force and they're doing exactly the same. So people are going to them, they're like, right, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna bang out a fucking 5130 every fucking day. A 5130, those, those who don't know, is I'm looking for a number of people to solve one problem in the next X amount of days. So it's normally you'll see coach on Instagram, like I'm looking for five guys you wanna get ripped in the next 90 days. Right? It's, it's an, a recipe as old as time is called a 5130. And most mentors would say, right, you're gonna fucking post this out there um, every day. And because that coach has maybe never actually marketed to their audience before, it'll be really receptive, be really warm, but it will run out like that because you're basically, imagine if I had like a piano, right? And I was just playing one key over and over and over and over and over and over again. Within about 15 strikes, you'd have just kind of tuned it out. Their audience would do the same, but they just, they don't know anything else to do. So they just keep pressing the same key over and over and over and over again. Then you've got all these coaches in the industry who all believe the metric of success is to make X amount of money in X amount of months, all employing the same tactics because all of these people, and to be totally transparent, I've been in some very high level business uh, and entrepreneurial mastermind groups. All these people, I'm totally honest with you now, we're always in the bottom third. I know pretty much all of them. We're in the bottom third of that room, that environment. And have now gone out to become business mentors. So they're all using the same strategies and tactics. So then, you know, by order of effect, they've got maybe 50 clients who are then all using the same stuff. So that's why the industry is, is all people doing the same stuff. It's like, well, again, marketing 101, zig when they zag. So just zoom out and say, right, well, I'm actually looking for five clients who want to solve one problem in the next 30 days. And if that is legit and that is genuinely accurate, show me the problems that you articulate it, show me your promise and the process and show me the outcome. And then find a way to demonstrate you've done that with clients and you, that you've been authentic and that you care. Add a little bit of your personality and character into that. And I guarantee you'll get exponentially more people knocking on your door being like, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in what you do, mate. Can we maybe have a chat about that? So it just it's exponentially more authentic than just hammering these hard sales tactics. Because again, I spoke about getting into the hard to kill program. We legitimately call it a fit call. Like, I'm going into it. it by the point if you've got to the final conversation with me it's gonna be about an hour on zoom if it's a fit i'm expecting that you and i are going to work together i'm not expecting i'm going to have to hard sell or pressurize you and if i feel like i'm gonna to have to i'm like this is not for you like if if you know we've come to we've gone through all that and i've demonstrated an understanding of your of your problems i know how to solve them and this is what you want to achieve and we've both agreed on that and this is how the program works and that's how we take you across this process and this is the exchange in value if you come through that let's go ahead at no point is it or you're a piece of shit if you don't work with me, or you've got to do it. You're going to be a failure without me, or this, that, and the other. But again, like it's it's just the, the landscape of the industry or a portion of the industry at the moment. And it's very easy for coaches to fall into it because the behavior is rewarded. Because if you do it, you get more money. But it's it's just a little bit short-sighted. Yeah. And I think with that as well, you know, in terms of numbers games of just trying to get as many people in, you're actually wasting a lot of time because you're actually then going to try and find more clients and then trying to do more whereas actually you know like what you mentioned there by the time it gets to that uh that that final call mm. nine times out of ten or ten out of ten you know that that's going to be a a paying client because they've got mm. the, they've got to that point and so unless something goes you know drastically drastically wrong for that final that final call and then at least then you know they you know that they're, they're going to be bought in um like mm. what like what we touched on earlier the one thing that i wanted to touch on as well is 
we've spoken a lot about, you know, uh, attracting clients, talking to them and, and, you know, working with them. How do you sustain that, um, that repeatable success so that the client, you know, keeps working with you because, you know, it'll get to a point where they came with a problem and that solution's been solved. And then a little bit like what you mentioned about as a coach, you know, you're always trying to look for that gap, look for that next, that, that next thing. How do you have that repeatable success? I think um, it's multifactorial. The first thing, the first caveat is that like, it's the, the paradox of coaching is that, you know, eventually your client's going to stop working with you and having that uh, in the back of your mind that when you're their coach, you're not their friend. And when you're their friend, you're not their coach. Um, and not taking it as a personal affront or a personal shortcoming or failing when clients are eventually like, you know, mate, this has been incredible and I'm good to go. That's just going to happen, right? And be very, very proud and accepting. And again, this is why we don't assign success to how many clients you work with because people are going to actually succeed and achieve. Incredible. That's what we want to do. That's the whole goal. That's the first thing. The second thing is I truly believe in not necessarily leading from the front because you the, the chances are certainly in my world, like a lot of my clients are a lot fitter than me. Many are a lot stronger than me. A lot of them earn a lot more money than me. It's not about leading from the front and you having to be better, but it's about leading by example. So as long as you're even one page ahead in areas of life in terms of like how you are pushing yourself, how you live your life, if you're being a truly aspirational identity and you're learning from that and then you're giving those learnings back, then you're always going to be valuable. That, that's it like valuable people are never going to struggle to retain clients so then it's a simple case of like if we look at the matrix of like okay so you've got a client attraction client conversion client delivery if we look into client delivery well most people most coaches i'm sorry to say spend a disproportionate wealth of their time trying to just market to new people on instagram and social media and facebook so they can hit those vanity metrics is that well how much time are you spending looking at your delivery pipeline so we recently finished the entire year like annual plan for 2024 of like everything we're going to deliver internally for the whole of 2024. Um, and then clients are like, well, I can't, I'm in a great place, but oh, they're discussing that then and that then and that then. Oh, I want to do that. And I'd love to learn more about that. So you can kind of think of it as internal marketing if you want, but it's just, there's, there's so much to be spoken about in the pursuit of, of true peak performance and if you're pushing the envelope yourself and you're learning more lessons and you're putting yourself in new rooms and challenging environments and pushing your own boundaries and, and doing things and then like retrospectively learning from it and communicating how that can improve other people's lives, et cetera, and so forth. And then you make like a really robust pipeline inside that is continuing to lead your clients towards excellence and towards their massive transformational purpose, then it's not necessarily about elongating their lifespan because it's, it's it's a value to your MRR and your fucking bank balance, but it's because you've got so much more left to teach them. And then again, if people are like, oh, um, I'm not sure if the problems with me, because that's why clients are wanting to leave is because they're not seeing an exchange in value anymore. They're like, you're not teaching me anything. I've achieved it, so I don't want to go anymore. Then it's just becomes a conversation, of basically an argument of please don't leave, which is just not it's not great if I'm being really honest. Whereas if you know, like, okay, cool, like, well, you know, here's where you're at and let's celebrate what you've achieved so far and what do you think is not quite finished and what would your future aspirations be? And if that all checks out, you're like, mate, well, I'm proud of you. You've absolutely achieved everything you ever wanted to. It's all nailed down. Whereas if it's a conversation of, right, you're proud of these achievements and, you, and you've done really well here, 
but you, a bit of unfinished business and you feel like this might be in your future well actually next month in, inside the program we're discussing this this and this so do you feel like it might make sense they're like actually you know what fucking fair play like i hadn't even thought of that like, let's look to do that so you know ch- clients are going to go for undulations they're going to go through challenges there's going to be black swan events they're going to buy houses have babies all that sort of stuff that like just strains and challenges their financials and coaching is a luxury for many people but ensuring that you're actually equipping them, educating them, arming them, preparing them, upskilling them, making them feel heard, making them feel safe, they're part of a community and they're part of an environment is actually, you can create a pressure drain in their life for them. You can be their third space where it's their thing and their community and their mates and their chat and, and their fucking self-development. And again, it's it's not about the commercial element. It's just like, if you love what you do and you have that vision of the person you aspire to become and what your, your company is going to do, then it, it just feels a lot more um, genuine and authentic than just trying to realign people because you're scared that you're not going to make enough money that month. Yeah, definitely. I think um, uh, from everything that we've that we've spoken about, I think that was a um, quite a good sum up. Actually, it, was, it came, kind of came full circle on that. I really liked, you know, um, by offering value, being valuable. You know, people are always going to want to um, uh, work with you because you know there's that uh, exchange there. Whereas um, again, from from um, uh, what I've read and, and, and podcasts and those sorts of things, um, people can lose interest in, in 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 what they're doing because they're not getting that value from it. They can't see what they're getting out of it, and I think that's where you know sometimes coaches can can work on that a little bit it's more. Like, you- it's, it's coaches become complacent, right? We're we're very quick to accuse. Well, maybe not so much myself but i see a lot of coaches and i hear from a lot of coaches who are very quick to accuse clients of complacency of oh they've only they've done this amount and now they think they've completed it it's like well have you ever inverted that and looked at your level of complacency i.e you worked really hard now this amazing instagram reel and then you got them on a call you heart you pressure sold them you got them in and then you just put them in your program and forgotten about them like it's a relationship there is no performance without trust okay and if what you're delivering is constant valuable genuine and of genuine worth to them, then it's kind of like a marriage, right? When If you were to get married, you don't say at the aisle, like, oh, I love you, and then just not say it again for the next 20 years. <laughs> you gotta, you got to keep, like, know your people, like, genuinely care about them, know where they're at in life, what they aspire to achieve, communicate with them, like, create a fucking a community that they feel part of and that they also see value in. And then you have that conversation a lot less often of, well, oh, I don't see the value in this anymore. Cause that's, that's the, 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 the true intent behind a lot of clients who want to leave early. He's like, Oh yeah, I know this has come up. I don't want to do it anymore. Sometimes obviously it's genuine. And again, there's these black swan events and we can't help that. And we can only be compassionate and empathetic to people when those situations happen in their life. But um, yeah, if coaches are hearing that a lot, well, you've got to be really honest with yourself and say, well, what, like, in what way are you nurturing that relationship? In what way are you showing them trust and receiving trust? In what way are you still being valuable to them? Have you just got complacent, chucked them in a program and forgotten about them? Yeah, I think that I think that's really key. I, I, you, you've kind of thrown a, a couple of words of wisdom out there, but the, it's been awesome chatting with you, Mark. There's every time that you've spoken, there's been two or three questions that I've wanted to fire, fire out of my head. So I've tried to pick, tried to say the ones that, that came to my head uh, 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 first, but the the last question that I like to ask from everything that we've spoken about today, for everyone listening, what would be your take home points or words of wisdom? I know you've already thrown out a few. <laughs> who, who am I speaking to this? Who would be there? Uh, I think about? from, so the, um, uh, a lot of the uh, podcasts and episodes are people interested in training, want to develop their training. But yeah. I think actually where the conversation has gone today, I think it'd be really helpful for the coaches listening. Um, yeah. So the, the words of wisdom from, from everything that we've chatted about today. 
Yeah. So firstly, sorry to people who came here for training chat because I'm not <laughs> sure about that. Uh, secondly, coaches, essentially you are my people. Like I'm, um, I'm enormously passionate about the industry of coaching. I believe that as a collective, as a cohort, we ought to be collaborating more than competing. I think as a, as a, as a population, we can do more, we can be better. And I would encourage you to see yourself as part of that movement to gain the respect of people. Cause you know, coaching is a bit of a joke to a lot of people, right? Let's fucking say it how it is. So let's have more respect for ourselves for our craft what it is we do because within the the, the confines of your two ears is the information and, and the power to change another human life take that responsibility very very seriously and just accept the fact that you can have fun with this as well like it gives you a life that many will never be able to experience like freedom from you know so many different types of stress the freedom to go and do things like the marathon de Saba, which you know was been a pipe dream for for a long time and and take those because believe it or not these in year to come these will be the good old days when you're sat there like your head in your hands fucking working your ass off i've had tears i've had fucking all sorts like trust me and you're crying out is this worth it am i doing the right thing like does anyone even care you these are these will be looked back at with rose tinted spectacles these are the good old days okay so find find a way to gamify it and know that what you are doing has the power to change human life. And it sounds like a bit of a cliche and it sounds like, uh, yeah, it is a cliche. It's an entire cliche, but like find a way to create some belief in yourself and what it is you're capable of doing. Um, and it start just start really fucking small, start turning up, doing, doing things that you, that you do find very uncomfortable, that do challenge your limiting beliefs and then just continue to, to persevere with those. Um, that would probably be, the, the best bit of advice I could give. I could give a lot of advice to coaches. Again, I'm passionate about coaches doing doing really well um, and overturning this this bad reputation that we seem to have in the world. But yeah, it all starts with us. Like we need to we need to uphold higher standards for ourselves. We need to collaborate more than we compete in order to help others um, hold themselves to higher standards when they're struggling because otherwise it becomes a race to the bottom and that's not good for anybody. Yeah, I think that was you. You you've had some um, really awesome words of wisdom throughout throughout the entire chat. I can see, um, you know, the the passion that you've got for this topic. And I know, obviously, we spoke about the topics that I sent over originally, but um, I think there's some really really useful um in, information in there. If anyone's got any questions about what we've chatted about today, um, want to uh, reach out to you and see the content you put out there, um, where could people reach you or, or find you? Um, so I appreciate that. I am going to add a bit of a caveat here. Number one, I'm not a business mentor. Please do not reach out to me. A business mentor. <laughs> Number two, I am a work in progress. We are all just fucking winging it. I do not have all the answers. I do not have it all figured out. I've just made a lot of mistakes and, uh, found a way to learn from them. Right. So I'm not pretending that I fucking know it all far from it. Um, but if you want to see what I do, how I do it, have a chat, any questions, genuinely any questions, I'm happy to, to answer them. Um, you can find my Instagram at mark underscore road underscore HTK. That will also take you to threads as well. If threads is your thing, threads is weird, isn't it? I, I don't really know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, it's like a new, just a new yeah. style of Twitter, right? Yeah. <laughs> weird. It's kind of weird. Um, also we've got a YouTube whereby, um, the podcast is hosted and we did a, a full, I think it was like a 10 part series on the preparation for the marathon de Sable. So you can see all that. If you just type in Mark Rhodes, hard to kill on YouTube on spotify or any good podcast provider so spotify apple amazon um if you type in uh, the hard skill podcast mark rose again that'll come up i think with 25 episodes in now um so those are the main places you can find me yeah nice i've started watching um about your uh marathon disciples as well I, i'm i'm yeah. working through that it's really it's cool yeah. um Thanks a lot, Mark, for taking the time to jump on. Like I say, I feel like I've left a, I left a couple of questions uh, off the table there. Um, but yeah, really, really enjoyed. Been looking forward to chatting to you um, since we got it booked in. Um, 
Thanks a lot to everyone listening, and I will see you all next week. Thank you, mate.